0: Proverbs chapter 3. I told you the other day, I'm not sure how long I'm going to be in Proverbs, but I'll just go ahead and warn you, I'm going to be there until I get out, because it keeps speaking to me in a way that I feel like that I need to share with you. Uh, Some of the most wonderful passages of Scripture are found in the book of Proverbs. Many years ago, I started reading a chapter in Proverbs every day. Uh, you may not know this, but there are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. Most months of the year have 30 or 31 days. And so I have just made it a part of my routine to read one chapter in Proverbs every day. Now, I don't do it all the time, but I do it many times as part of my devotional process. So I want to encourage you to do that because it is really one of the most practical books in the Bible and will help you in your daily walk with the Lord. So today, chapter 3, I want to read a very familiar passage of Scripture for you today. Beginning at verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him. And he will make straight your paths. Amen. How many of you would like to have a straight path in your life? Let's talk about what trust will do for our lives today. Father, thank you for the privilege of coming together with the body of Christ. We are tuning our ears this very moment to hear what you would say to us through your word. I pray that you will help me to speak clearly and effectively today. And in such a way that we can carry this home with us and apply it to our lives. And we can learn how to trust you and watch you work in our, our lives in ways that we would never be able to see if it were not for our trust in you. So thank you, Lord, for what you're about to speak to us today. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we get started this morning, there's a little piece of business that we need to take care of so that we can understand exactly what we're talking about. I have heard people say through the years that faith and trust are basically the same thing, and while there are some similarities between faith and trust, there is a difference between faith and trust, Now, if I were to ask you what faith is, many of you would quote Scripture to me. Well, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You'd be right about that, but that's correct in that context, while faith can mean something a little different in other contexts. And so today, for our context and for what we're trying to learn this morning, we need to define faith a little differently. And it is simply this, faith is an inner belief. It's something inside of you that you may not be able to explain and you may not even have full understanding of it yet, but you believe that it is true. Now many people can have faith, even people who are not Christians can have faith Because they believe in a particular thing. Many atheists, it could be said about them that they have faith. It's just that their faith is that they believe that God does not exist. The the Mormons have faith. They believe that there is a Jesus Christ, but they also believe that there is a Joseph Smith who works in, in and is equal with Jesus. So we have these beliefs, just because we believe something does not necessarily make us a Christian. So faith is an inner belief. Trust, on the other hand, is an outer expression of that belief. Let me say it again, trust is an outer expression of that belief. And fewer people have trust. Now to illustrate this, let me tell you a very familiar story that many, if not all of you, have heard in the past. There was a man many years ago, his name was Blondin, in the, his last name. And, and he was an acrobat back in the 1800s. And he was famous for tightroping. And they, they'd string a rope out and Blondin would get out there and walk from one point to the other point and uh, he he would tight rope across he would tight rope between buildings he would tight rope over uh, water bodies of water and he he was very good at it and so one time they scheduled Mr. Blondin to walk across the Niagara Falls with the royal family from Britain there. They were visiting and they planned the show and Blondin showed up and they strung out the wire from one side of the Niagara Falls to the other side. And he did what he typically does. He walked across it the first time, had a long pole in his hands, and and he balanced himself all the way over. And then he came back, and he, he decided that he would go again. This time, he took a wheelbarrow with him, and uh, he walked across with pushing that wheelbarrow, and he went on to the other side, and when he came back... Uh, he, he had some potatoes with him. And so he had a wheelbarrow full of potatoes that he brought back from the other side. He went another time, went about halfway, had, uh, had uh, ingredients for breakfast in his pocket. And when he got out to about midway, he stopped and he made himself an omelet while he was sitting on the wire. And then he came back and he got the wheelbarrow again. He looked over at the duke. And he asked the duke this pointed question. He said, do you believe that I can walk across this tightrope with a man in this wheelbarrow? And the duke looked at him and without hesitation he said, I absolutely believe that you can. To which Blondin replied, get in. Well, you know the rest of the story. The Duke did not get in the wheelbarrow. Now, that reminds me a lot of people who say, well, I believe. I believe, sure, I believe. But believing and trusting are two different things. That Duke could believe all day long, but he was not trusting Mr. Blondin until he got in the wheelbarrow. Now, I'm not criticizing him. I wouldn't have got in it either because Blondin is not God. And I'm not called upon to trust Blondin. I'm called upon to trust my heavenly Father. So today I want us to talk for a little bit about this idea of trust and what it means in our life. Now I want you to look at the different phrases and there are four that we'll look at this morning. The first phrase in verse 5 is trust in the Lord With all your heart. Say that with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So instead of saying that to someone else, we must daily say, I will trust in the Lord with all of my heart. You see, trust is the practical outworking of faith. It is when we trust God that we show our real faith in Him. In other words, that is when we, we practice the principles of the Word of God when we begin to actually not only believe that his word is true, but actually do what his word declares for us to do. Remember, that we're not just to be hearers of the word, but we are to be doers of the word. Because the blessing comes not in the hearing but the blessing comes in the doing, amen? So when you find yourself trusting God to the point that you can actually do what his word says, then you will be showing him how much you trust him. Now this call here is not a piecemeal to trust in God. In other words, it's not a buffet whereby you can say well I'll trust him here and I'll trust him here and I'll trust him there and I'll trust him with this but I'm not going to trust him with this and I can't trust him with this and I don't believe he cares about this. You see that's not trusting God. That's that's going to the buffet. But what you have to learn to do is trust him with our whole life, with everything that you are, with everything that you have been, and with everything that you anticipate you can be through him. So many won't trust their past to him. Listen, he's not surprised by your sin. He knows everything you've ever done, and he still loves you. And he still died for you so that you could be forgiven of your sin. In fact, the Bible says that while you were yet in your sins, uh, that he died for you and gave his life for you. And for you to trust him says, I believe that, Lord. I believe uh, and I'm going to lay my sins aside and I'm going to walk with you every day of my life. So we have to not just peace... Meal this thing But we have to say the whole thing Lord It reminds me of a story a few years ago That I heard of an Indian chief Who, who came up to the altar During a, a gospel meeting And he was completely In all of his, uh, his uh, chief gear And he came up and, and he kneeled down at the altar And he said, he said Father He said the old Indian chief He takes his moccasins off And he said I, I give you my moccasins And having stayed there for a few minutes, he didn't feel like that was enough. And so he reached over his shoulder and he got his bow and arrow. And he said, Father, the old Indian chief gives you the bow and arrow. And he still didn't feel like that was enough. So he reached back and got his uh, arrows and he put it on the altar. And he said, the old Indian chief gives you all of his arrows. And still not enough. So finally... He thought well if I'm going to please God I have to give him that thing That is most precious to me And he reached up and he took his headdress Off of his head And he laid it on the altar And he said father He said the old Indian chief Gives you his prized headdress But when he was finished He still didn't feel like that he had done enough or pleased God. And so finally, at the very end, the enemy or the the Indian chief got up off of his knees and he climbed up on the altar himself. And he said, God, the old Indian chief gives you the old Indian chief. Amen. And that's what God is wanting from you today. He's not interested in your moccasins, your shoes. He's not interested in your weapons. He doesn't care how smart you are. What He wants is everything that you have. Amen. He wants you to trust Him completely and in fullness. See, what I'm saying to you is is that the Christian who has put his or her trust in God has to at some point get Into the wheelbarrow There's a passage of scripture in the New Testament Where Jesus takes his disciples And they've just fed the the thousands They've just uh, broken the bread and the fish And had fed them And when it was all over The scripture says that he led them down To the edge of the water And the scripture says He compelled them To get into the boat now, you have to understand they were fishermen. Many, Some of them had skills. They could look up in the sky and see that it's getting ready to storm. Man, it's going it's to come. It's going to be a bad one. And now here is Jesus telling us to get in the unsafest place that there is around here, in the boat and on the water. But that word compel means that he gave them no other option. He said get in the boat he was he was testing them to see if they really trusted him and thank god every last one of them got into the boat and they rowed and they rowed and they rowed and I feel like singing row 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 your boat right now but i'm I'm not going to do that to you. But they rode and they rode and the storm kicked up. And sure enough, it looked like they were getting ready to go down. And then all of a sudden, here comes Jesus walking on the water, jumps in the boat with them. And all of a sudden, the winds and the waves and everything that had crashed in upon them was in the control of the master. Amen. In old church we used to sing He's the master of the sea I don't know how many of you remember that But it was a good old song I'm not going to try it today But I loved it But here's the point It doesn't matter what kind of waves Are crashing in upon you today It doesn't matter if it's physical Or emotional Or psychological Or financial Let me tell you That God has control of it all Amen and if you will trust him, he will do what needs to be done. Secondly, he says, he says, lean not to your own understanding. That dawned on me this week as I was preparing for this that we lean on what we feel most secure with. Think about that for a moment. We lean on that which is proven to us. We lean on what we are most secure with. And so instead of leaning on God and His Word, we oftentimes find ourselves leaning on processes that we have mastered throughout our lifetime. And listen, there's nothing wrong with gaining knowledge and wisdom That we can use not only in this situation, but somewhere down the road when we face a similar situation. I thank God that every day of my life, I can do something that I don't have to think about because I've already mastered it, if you will, through the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't have to ask God for a fresh touch to deal with this because he has already given me the knowledge and the understanding and the wisdom that I need to conquer that situation. But there are times in our lives when the enemy comes at us with something that we've never experienced before. And instead of going to the Lord and saying, uh, I'm not going to lean on my own understanding because that won't work. God, I need new understanding. I need a new fresh, of wisdom, a fresh touch of wisdom. I need some new knowledge here because I've never dealt with this before. I, I, you know, I, I get stuck on this thing, but a long time ago it dawned on me. That I know people and you know them too, that it seems like they never grow up in Christ. They they are perpetually in second grade their whole life. And the reason is they never push the envelope and let God take them to a new level. You've heard me say this before. It's cute when you know it, it's cute when babies take their bottles. But when you have to part the mustache to get the bottle in, there's something seriously wrong with that picture. But there are people with full full hair on their face that still want to be bottle fed when it comes to the scripture. Let me tell you, it's time for us to grow up. It's time for us to get wise. It's time for us to go to a new level. It's time for us to go someplace where God has never taken us before, but has been inviting us to go for a very long time in our lives. We lean on what we feel most secure with. I think in my life right now, this, it's, this hits me most. I, I, you know Donna and I, we've been married 39 years, and we've been in ministry for 39 years we got married one weekend and we started ministry the next weekend and so we've been doing it a long long time and you know I'm finding at this place in my life that I can't do things like I did 30 years ago number one my body's not the same and number two culture has changed And there are times, I I told my wife not long ago, I've had people say, why why don't we sing some of the old songs? Let me give you one reason why we don't sing some of the old songs. Because when we do try to sing some of the old songs, you stare at me like I'm out of my mind. You don't know them. And I, I ask people after church, did you not know that song? Never heard it before in my life. Culture has changed. Culture is changing. The church of God as an organization and a denomination is realizing that if we don't start raising up a younger generation, there's going to be a day when old guys like me are out of the picture and there's not going to be anybody to step in. And I have had to learn, Lord, this is not about me. This is about your kingdom. This this is not about everybody hearing me every week. It's not about me always singing. It's not about me always playing. This is not the Rob Baker show. This is the body of Christ. And we are to raise up and encourage and, and, and train people for the work of the kingdom of God. And then release them into it. Hey, listen, I'm going to start praying for some of you that fear will just drop off of you. You know, there's so many people in this church right now that you could be so useful to the kingdom of God. But you allow fear to just prevent you from doing anything that you have the ability to do. Some of you are so stuck in the habits of the past. Lord, help me be nice now. You know, I've been praying about that for a long time. Let me, let me be nice Some of you have gotten so used to never serving any or serving anyone or serving anything that you are simply in a consumer mindset and when there is a call for volunteer service, you don't even think about doing anything because you are so stuck in the routine of not serving That you can't step out of that and step into serving. Let me tell you, you're missing some of the greatest blessings that you'll ever experience in your life when you start serving others. When it's all about us, then it matters if this is not right and that's not right and they didn't sing the song I wanted them to sing and he didn't preach very good today and all that. It's a consumeristic mentality where what we need to be doing is saying I'm going to church today and I'm telling you before I get out of there today somebody's going to be blessed whether they want to be blessed or not. I'm going to pat them on the back. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to tell them what a blessing that they are to me. I'll give up my seat if I must in order for them to be able to come in. But I'll tell you, I have stopped just consuming. I am going to be an ambassador for Christ if it's the last thing I do. Amen. That wasn't that bad, was it? You know what some of you need to do? You need to say, all right, God, if you tell me to get into the wheelbarrow, I'll do it. I'll get out there and I will do what you have called me to do. Can you imagine if the Duke had said, Well, Blondin, I do believe you can take a man in this wheelbarrow and go all the way across and back. I I have faith that you can do that, and I'm going to express my trust by getting in the wheelbarrow. And Blondin takes off and gets about halfway out, and all of a sudden the Duke starts saying, Now, wait a minute. I don't like the way that you're doing this. You're not driving quite the way that I would if I were the one driving. I, I, don't, I don't like it. I, I, I don't like you, as a matter of fact. I, I want you to take me back. I want you to turn this thing around and take me back to where my comfort zone is. I want you to stop doing what you're doing, Blondin, and take me somewhere else. And how many times do we do that to God? God says, I'm calling you out of where you are and I'm calling you over to here and if you'll trust me, I promise, I will bring you safely through. And we get in the wheelbarrow with God and we get about a quarter of the way out and we say, well, God, I don't really think this is necessary. I don't, I don't really think I have to read my Bible. I don't think I really have to pray. I, I don't really think that I have to go to church. I, I don't think that I have to quit Cussing and at my husband and my wife and all. I don't think I have to do it I think I'm just going to tell you God What I will agree to and will I, what I won't agree to Listen, it doesn't work that way What the scripture says That we are not to lean to our understanding But to follow the understanding of God through his scripture Amen Lean not into your own understanding And then thirdly He says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Now, theologians mark this passage of scripture and they say that this is what is known as the sacred-secular divide. Now, let me explain to you what that is. The sacred-secular divide. How many of you have ever heard of the Mason-Dixon line? Can Can I see your hands? You know that there is a divide there. On one side, it's one thing. On on the other, it's another thing. How many of you know that there are boundaries all around Kentucky? That on the north side is Indiana. And then over on the other side, down, down south, there's Tennessee. And did you know that as soon as you cross the boundary line out of Kentucky into Tennessee... You now have to abide by the laws of Tennessee and not Kentucky because you are in this new arena. You have to do what Tennessee says. How many of you have ever gotten a ticket because you you crossed a state boundary and it went from 65 to 55? Anybody? Oh, yeah, I have. I mean you're tooling around at 65 and you're just going along and then all of a sudden you go out of one state and into another state and they they change the speed limit and now it's no longer 65, it's 55 and there just always seems to be a police officer there waiting to see if you noticed. You know what I'm saying? And that's what he's saying. He's saying, listen. We have to honor Him and acknowledge Him in all of our ways. It is not, some of you think that you're two different people. Some of you think that you have split personalities. Some of you think that when you come to church, you're spiritual. But when you leave here, you're secular. That is not the way that it is. It's just not that way. I'm spiritual all the time. He said, well, you don't know yourself very well. Oh, yes, I do. I know who I am. I know who I am in Christ. I may not be perfect, but I'm forgiven. My name may not be on a lot of registers on this earth, but my name is in the book that matters the most. Amen. The Lamb's Book of Life. I know who I am, but I have to acknowledge His principles in my life or else I'm not going to be able to understand what it takes to get me to a place of victory. You remember when I came here, I told you that the church that I pastor, God told me this a long time ago. It's been years ago now. He said it's going to be a church that that is pure. It's going to be a church that prays. It's going to be a church that follows the precepts of God's word it's going to be a church that is filled with praise and worship and it's going to be a church that honors people and we are well on our way to fulfilling that mission that God has given us some of you didn't even know what precept meant Some of you are thinking, I don't even know what it means to follow a precept. Well, I'm telling you what it means. It means to take every word of the book that has come from the heart of God and find a way to apply it to our lives in any given situation. Amen. So the sacred secular divide. Now, when you walk out of here today, I don't want to hear anybody say, well, I'm glad that's over. I don't have to be spiritual for the rest of the week. I I can be secular now. I can just do whatever I want to. No, 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 no. You have the spirit of the living God living within you. He is in you. He is in your heart. He is in your mind. He is in your spirit. He is in your Body, He is in your emotions He is in you Amen And that doesn't He doesn't stop you at the back door And say hold on now This is where I get off Just put me in the little jar Back there at the back And you can pick me back up Could you imagine if we had a bunch of cubbies back there Everybody had their own cubby And we had some mason jars in there And you go back there And take the Holy Ghost out of you Take God out of you And put it down in that jar And screw the lid on tight So that God can't get out of that mason jar And then next Sunday when you come in You come in and you go over to your cubby And you get the mason jar out And you screw the lid off And you take a big old drink of Jesus You come in here and you have church and you worship and you scream and you holler but then when church is over you go right back out and you just regurgitate Jesus up out of you and into your jar and put the lid back on and put it up there and say, I'll see you next week, Jesus. Put your seatbelt on. You're going to need it right here. As absurd as that sounds... For many of you, that's exactly what you do every week. Because when you walk out of this house, that's your last effort for the week to do anything that the Word of God tells you to do. Now, I'm trying to be nice, but at the same time, I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to pull you up a little bit higher. I'm trying to get you from living down there and bringing you up to where God wants you to be and live in the power of the Spirit of God. Amen. In all your ways acknowledge Him. Well, God cares about who I give my money to but He doesn't care about how I earn it. I can go out and sell drugs and God don't care as long as I pay tithe on it. It's the assumption that God cares which church I go to, but he doesn't care which house I live in. It is the assumption that God cares about my Bible reading, but he doesn't care about my television viewing. Let that sink in for just a minute. It's the assumption that God cares about my sin, but not about my toothache. Listen, God wants for somebody today for you to tear down that dividing wall and get where God is and stay there with Him and let Him build you up to the individual that He wants you to be. Come help me quit if you will, dear. Finally, He shall direct your paths. Listen to this. God's path is not the path that we might naturally take. And God's idea of a straight path is not necessarily our idea of a straight path. How many know that sometimes God bends your road just so that you can learn to trust Him more? To trust Him differently. I like that better. Let me just explain that. And here's what's in my mind about that. You know, sometimes we think about if we could just have more, if we could just have more faith, if we could could just have more patience, if we could just have more forgiveness, if we could have more money, if we could have more, more, more. And that brings us in to this consumeristic mentality that says that if I can just get more, I'll be more successful. God may not care how much money you have. God may not care how big your house is. God may not care if you drive a BMW or a Volkswagen. God may not care. I read this week that God, crisis reveals who we are. God is not as concerned about where you are as He is who you are when you get there. God is not as concerned about where you are as He is about who you are when you get there. He's working on you. He's still working on me. He's still working on me to make me what ought to be. How many of you remember that one? Took Him just a week to hang the moon and the stars sun and the moon and jupiter and mars how loving and patient he must be he's still working on me how many of you remember that one how many of you know he's still working on you here's the key we must be willing to say god i'll go wherever you take me whatever path that you put before me father i'm not going to fight you over that i I, am not going to complain i'm i'm not going to bellyache i'm not going to suggest that there's something different or better because you see i don't think that god is as interested about more as he is different how many of you have ever overcome something in your life can i see your hands Do you know why you were able to do that? Because you had everything you needed in Christ to do it. But the next thing that you do, you may need something different than what you had before. So more is not always what's best. Different can be what we need. He shall direct your path. Now, before you get all excited and say, oh, that was a good message today. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that to practice in my life. Let me tell you something. When you decide you're going to walk down the path that Jesus creates for you, it may be crooked. It may be uphill sometimes and downhill other times. I'll guarantee you that there will be obstacles in the way. But God's not asking you to straighten the path out. God's not asking you to climb higher or go lower or or to remove the obstacles. He's just asking you to walk with Him and He'll take care of the rest. God can remove the obstacles. God can straighten your path. God can bring low the mountains and bring high the valleys of your life wisdom understanding say it with me will you trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not to your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths will you stand with me this morning